This is Dave Moss of the Unfunded List, and I'm pleased to bring you the Open Door Philanthropy Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hello from New York City. It's late July, and I'm spending the weekend at the Nexus Global Summit. Friends of the show will be familiar with Nexus because I talk about it a lot. It's an international network of social entrepreneurs and funders who convene regional summits in every continent and host a flagship event, the one I'm at, every year in New York City. And so to give everyone uh, who could not attend a taste of what a Nexus conversation sounds like, I brought my microphones along this year. On the second day of the conference, I met a wonderful young lady from Taiwan named Lillian Wang, who was able to provide us with an international's perspective on the conference. I hope you enjoy. Day two at Nexus, and I am here with Lillian Wang. Hi, Lillian. How are you? Welcome. Good. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Lillian Wang. Uh, is this your first time at Nexus? Uh, first time at the Nexus Global Summit. Uh, so you've been to some of the regional summits then? That's right. Uh, where did you? Um... Um, so I only did Art Basel and NASA. Art Basel and NASA? Yeah. Oh, so those were... I, not regional summits, I think, but delegation trips or something, that's right? right? That's I've never right. been on one of those. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh, so just to uh, to explain uh, for folks, um, so Nexus does a big global summit, which is where we're at, right? And then also regional summits. I go to the U.S. summit every year, and also the, the this global summit here. Uh, but there's also been a uh, there've been Caribbean summits, MENA summits, uh, Latin American summits, uh, Asian summits, and India summit. I think at 40 total uh, events, and only 16 were the global or US. Um, but they also do some like delegations and trips and stuff. So I know they've been to the NASA Space Center, right? Goddard right. Space Center. Um, in, in Palo Alto, yeah. Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll want to hear about that in a yeah, moment. Uh, but they've also been, I think they went to like the North Pole or something. Really? Yeah, I think they did. Oh, a, I missed that. I think they did a trip to the North Pole a few years ago or very far up into the Arctic. I don't know if they went all the way to the, I don't know if that's. I guess someone did it, right? What was yeah. his name? Lord Skelton or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, some and I, and uh, some some interesting uh, delegation trips like that. Uh, it's a very cool uh, community. Yeah. Uh, if you're young and in the social impact space, you should, you should consider yeah, uh, trying to join uh, one of these events. And maybe you'll end up on a future episode of Open Door Philanthropy because I'm often here uh, with my microphones talking about philanthropy. Uh, so was it the was NASA the first place you went? That's right. Yeah. Uh, what, and and how, tell me, how did that happen? How did you get invited? Why did you go? Um, so, yeah, so, 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 yeah, so I got invited by the uh, Environmental Sustainable, uh, uh, Sustainability Group. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, and I just really wanted to know about the science that NASA was doing. So it was really, I was very fortunate to get to spend time with NASA scientists and geek out on science. So it was really incredible, yeah. You are a scientist? Yeah, I'm a scientist by training. What, what sort of, as I understand, there are different kinds of scientists. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what, what kind of scientist are you? Yeah, so I am actually trained as a geneticist, immunologist. I started a PhD in uh, the field of immunology, and then I uh, wrapped that with a master's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, I have a BA in theater. Amazing. <laughs> um, and, and, how to do that. and a high school diploma. That's amazing. Um, uh, but um, so how did you come to um, so you say they invited you to come how did you know somebody in the community how did that sort of thing happen yeah I'm not sure I think what it was was that I always knew that my life was about how to create the most impact 
in my as a You've always known that? Yeah. I when you were a baby? Um, probably around like an infant. 13 or You're walking 15. around one, you knew that 15 <laughs> or? Yeah, 13 or 15 or so when I started volunteering. So I knew then. You started, um, so one of the questions that I, uh, that I like to ask folks, and yeah. we actually, we in fact did a, we did a little event uh, with Nexus a little while ago, yeah. uh, where we created what we called uh, giving videos. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I asked um, a bunch of Nexus members to yeah. tell me the story of their first gift. Yeah. The first time they ever gave something, right? Wow. Which is almost yeah. always, uh, you know, you're a child, right? And so one of the reasons yeah. I like this question, Wow. We often think about philanthropy as just a simple like financial transaction, which is a big part of philanthropy. Organizations yeah. need money, people's For salaries sure. need to be paid, right? Sure. But it's not the mm -hmm. sum total. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I really like to ask this question to really get at people's real giving motivations. Before you were making your own money, before you yeah. like had figured out your worldview, like what was it you, I mean, and so just to give you some examples, like, uh, you know, it's a, I mean, one of my fa personal favorites, uh, my buddy Ben Swig, uh, thought about it for a while, and he, he remembered that when he was young, he used to help his elderly neighbor with her groceries. Yeah. Um, uh, some other folks. Uh, oh, um, I really like Avi's. Uh, so he was uh, he's he's um, in, has an Indian um, heritage, yeah. uh, but he was Ameri he's raised here in America. Yeah. Uh, but his parents are from India, and they took him mm. on a trip to India. Yeah. And that's when he first saw like really big poverty and everything. And he remembers uh, being very young over there in India and seeing like people on the street asking for money and yeah. he like refused like threw a tantrum basically <laughs> and refused to leave until they had like given money to like oh, every single so one of the beggars there and everything yeah. uh it was very nice so uh, uh same this question for incredible. you do you remember uh the first time that you felt compelled to give something or help someone yeah let me think well you mentioned just now that you were volunteering at 13 yeah, or so sure yeah so i feel like you know growing up in asia uh in taiwan specifically the culture is so community-based, you don't really grow to have an individuality. So it's not really part of the culture. So you don't really you know, walk around and think about what you want to do or who you are. You just kind of do what you're expected uh, to do and then you learn you know, and try to be the best, right? And then so I think I really came into being when I moved to Vancouver, Canada, when I was 13. And then pretty much, I'm, I'm not sure really honestly exactly when, probably, Anywhere from when I was 13 to 15. Um, We're not going to fact check this. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just thinking, I, can't, I, can't, I can't remember exactly. Actually, you were wrong. You were 14 when you started volunteering there, <laughs> yeah, and no, you no. said 13, and so now we can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, so somewhere along that time frame, I just felt really compelled to help. And then so I just, I don't know how I even knew how to do that, but I just, you know, I went to lo local community centers and I just, asked how I can help, right? And then so I would just tutor kids, you know, and then I would, you know, just randomly with no guidance, I had no idea how I did that, it was super bizarre. Um, I would just have clothing drives and I'll like get everyone to donate clothes and I'll donate it out and then I'll just do all kinds of things like that. And then I would just, I remember I would do it, uh, I would go to school at seven and I never go home until about 7 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, just so that I can do all these things. Mm -hmm. Just try to help. And you went, so you went on your own to the yeah. community center. Yeah, yeah, and just asked. This wasn't about. some. This, your your parents didn't bring you. Were you encouraged no, to do this? No, I literally would. Take How did you box. find out where the community center is? 
Um, I don't know. I just, I, no, I don't remember exactly, actually. That's fine. Yeah. One of the things that happens yeah. when I ask this question is, yeah. like, people don't always remember all of the details. Yeah. And I find that's that, so I find that's okay, because we're, we're, I'm trying to get at your, like, funda- yeah. what fundamentally makes you, makes you tick now, right? Yeah, so it's not sure. that important for me that we get all the details right of yeah. your actual first. Sometimes people are like, well, I don't remember well, the, the specifics. So right, yeah. No, it's understandable. It's why I want to, like, like this is more, this is not, we're not doing science yeah, right now. Sure, like, yeah. I'm trying to get you to, like, to, to think hard about, yeah. you know, why you do yeah, this person. So, sure. so uh, you meant a clothing drive, you were yeah, tutoring, I so you, I assume you were a good student? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you became a, uh, you became an, a, a scientist and yeah. working on a PhD and stuff, so yeah, probably yeah. were a good student. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, or more so, did not want to get a real job in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, pursuing uh, a PhD yeah. is a really great way to never have yeah. a great job. Yeah. So, Shout out so. to my parents, a couple <laughs> know, of college right? professors. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Always intellectually stimulated, and you never have to think about how to find a job. The angriest my mother's ever been with me is one time she was saying something, and I, I, I really disagreed with what she was saying. I was like, but mom. You've never had a job. <laughs> I mean, she's a tenured she's been a tenured professor for a very long time, wow. and so it's a sort of lost perspective on what it's like to like yeah, yeah. have to hustle or whatever. Yeah, but also remember, it's extremely difficult to be a tenured professor. That's less. Yeah, she's very com- yeah, she's very accomplished. Yeah, she's very But I wouldn't like. I've also yeah. I know a lot of like blue collar workers as well, and people yeah. who've like really had to work hard their whole career. Oh, and like, okay. while my well, what my mother does is important, and she's very accomplished at yeah. it. But like, she's not bailing hay. Yeah, totally. She's totally. literally. Never sweat in her life. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I think a broken nail may be the, yeah. you know, the worst thing that's ever happened yeah, to her. Uh, sorry, mom, for picking <laughs> on you here. I'm sh- obviously she listens to every episode of her son's book. <laughs> um, but you, so you mentioned that you grew up in Taiwan. Yeah. So I was born. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Taiwan, and it was very fascinating because I simultaneously grew up helping my grandpies on the farm in the summers, um, as well as hang out in the country clubs in the summers. And I literally couldn't tell the difference between the two. To me, it's the same. Hmm. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. Tell me about Taiwanese country clubs. Yeah, I, um, it was, I don't remember, it was really good food, and it was very safe, and then as kids, you can run around, and then everyone's very friendly, so it's really great, yeah. That's right. Uh, my, uh, as I mentioned, my father, my parents are college professors. Yeah. Uh, my mom is on the board on Funnel List, so she's yeah. the one that we that I talk about most often on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but my uh, my father is a uh, a golf historian, yeah. and he wrote a book about country clubs. Oh, Actually, he's written written quite a few books about country clubs. Nice. Uh, and uh, I was a, a member of Waterville Country Club in Maine, which yeah. is a very interesting place. Most people think of uh, country clubs as very elite. Yeah. institutions yeah and there certainly are some that exist that way uh, yeah. there's a in here in america we have uh, augusta national yeah uh, which for a long time was very controversial because they only had white male members yeah, yeah. Uh, and particularly after tiger woods yeah. won the their main tournament at their mm-hmm. course mm-hmm. but wouldn't have been able to be a member there oh, wow that's insane uh and um yeah it's very it's very great now they do uh they do have some um black and female members mm-hmm. in fact their first um the first black member was also their first female member, yeah. uh, Condoleezza Rice. Mm, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny to think that, like, like, I don't think there's a club in the world that would be like, no, we won't have Condoleezza Rice as a yeah, member. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe probably some, like, liberal clubs, right? But, yeah. uh, but uh, for them, it was a big, this was a big decision, yeah, and they're, like, yeah. patting themselves on the back for how inclusive oh, they're being, incredible. extending an opportunity to, to Condoleezza Rice, the, the <laughs> yeah. chancellor of Stanford, right, right? To, yeah. to have this, to be able to find 
finally make it into the big boys network, right? Yeah, I know. Um, I'm, I'm that. <laughs> I, I'm exceptionally proud of my Canadian mm-hmm. lineage as well. Um, so you're part Canadian. You yeah, didn't just move Canadian. there. You're... Yeah, I moved to Terrific. Canada when I was 13. And uh, I have to say, Canadians are incredible. Um, we moved there, and then my dad literally walked into a tennis club, uh, which at the time probably only had maybe two Asian members. And he just walks in with his broken English and said, I'm a very important person. You want me? And then, and then the president literally found him uh, two persons who write reference letters for him, even though you should have, you know, had mm-hmm. the networking connections. And, Interesting. Yeah, and so, so then, and then, and then we joined um, uh, Shaughnessy Golf Club, and very similar thing. Everyone, you know, Canadians are just very, very friendly. The country is founded on uh, with two cultures, French and and and, and, and French and English. So. Well, I would say uh, more than that. There's also considerable indigenous population. Absolutely, yeah. So, so. The, you know the the culture is very good and especially in the I'm more from I'm from Maine so I'm more familiar with the eastern part of Canada yeah uh, but in the Vancouver area and stuff there's a tremendous amount I mean, you're yeah. not the, you're not the only Taiwanese family that moved there no yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm but, surprised that there yeah. wouldn't have been uh, more Asian I mean in, I think of Vancouver as a like yeah. as having a lot of Asian yeah. citizens for sure but you know it's really fascinating because even though I'm pretty sure if I actually think back there were no other Asians in these country clubs, but I never felt That's like there was any racism. I was just always colorblind and genderblind. I was just like, yeah, I'm part of everybody. You know? uh, yes. This is amazing. Um, that's, um, that's very interesting. Yeah. The, so do you play golf? Uh, no. My no? parents decided to learn how to, <laughs> <laughs> My parents decided to uh, learn how to play golf once I moved away from university, so I never learned. Ah, I see. So we were just sort of hanging out at the, yeah, at the yeah, club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The club I grew up at was very much like you wouldn't, if you didn't play golf, Yeah. You, boy, would you have been bored there. <laughs> uh, like we did, there, were no, there was no tennis. There was no pool. There was, yeah. there, there was a restaurant, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I remember it was very strange to me. Like, I heard yeah. that there were members who, like, mm-hmm. only came to the club. Yeah. Right? It's just some, like, restaurant to get burgers in yeah. and stuff. Like, no, really. <laughs> and they paid, it, they paid a lot to be part of this club, and they didn't yeah. even play golf at all, well, and, like, it didn't make any sense you to know, me. I, I never understood the hoity-toity part of that. For me, it was just, you know, I can go and eat anywhere else in the city, but it would be very stressful, right? But then here, it was, that, you know, everyone's friends, right? And then so the, the, the people who work there know you by name yes, and both. loves you. And then, so, so, you know, it's just a very relaxing place to be where you can actually be more authentic. That's very true. And nicer to everyone, so. And uh, yeah. I, I'm, the, the course I grew up on was not... Um, not a white collar club. Yeah. The vast majority of our members were, were blue collar. This is oh, central okay. rural Maine. Yeah. So we don't yeah. really have a whole lot of cool. rich people. In fact, the, the wealthiest man in Maine was a member, but you were like no one. You wouldn't be able to. He, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We didn't. One of the things about having money in Maine is like you just really one. There's not that there's no stores or places to spend it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it is kind of like nature's yeah. a great equalizer in that yeah. sense. And the that golf course great. is uh, is uh, uh, quite equalizing as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that, then when I when I went off to I was pretty good at golf, and uh, as a result, of being a member there and yeah. uh, being able to practice a lot. Yeah. And then I went off to a fancy uh, boarding school called yeah. Lemus Chafee. 
And uh, some of those kids, right, from the, they're from southern states. The Gulf season's a lot longer, yeah. right? And they think yeah. of Maine as some, like, rube state. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then I, would, I, I took great pleasure yeah. in beating rich kids from Connecticut. It was one of my favorite oh, things to so do yeah. <laughs> yeah. back I then. I had a really hard time whenever my parents would try to shuttle me into private schools. Mm-hmm. And so I would consistently get myself out so I can go to public schools. You went to public school in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah. So I luckily, very, very fortunately, got myself into a, um, a very specialized uh, accelerated program in public school. Um, so then I got to get out of private school. So it was really great. Yeah. Uh, terrific. And then yeah. um, what are your your, your uh, collegiate education and advanced degrees? Did you go to school in Canada as yeah, well? Yeah, I went to school in Canada. So I went to University of Toronto, where I was very blessed to have received an amazing scientific education. Probably it's a very good school. Yeah. I've been say, on the yeah, campus. Yeah, I would say it's probably one of the best science programs for an undergrad degree, yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Uh, my uh, so dad's a, a golf historian. My mother is a Canadian studies professor. Oh wow! She ran the Canadian studies department at Duke University nice. for for a little while. Nice. Uh, so I know a little bit more about Canada than yeah. uh, the average it, American. I think one of the things that's very interesting to me, yeah, uh, is when I tell my when I tell Americans that yeah. my um, that my mother is a Canadian studies professor. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people understand that and yeah. they think that's interesting. Yeah. Other times they're like, why would that be a thing? Why yeah. would anyone study Canada, right? Yeah. Canada's America's hat, right? But <laughs> in reality, Canada's our number one trading partner economically and culturally. It's the longest uh, peaceable border in, in unguarded in human history, right? right. Like there's just a, a, you know, same language, shared culture, like you mentioned, right? The, the, the you know, we think of the French Right, uh, but the, the English were part of the part founders of Canada as well, which is yeah. the same. So it's our colonial masters as well. Yeah, um, it's a tremendous. It's 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 like when you and when you go up there, like everything's a little bit different, but yeah. not really that different. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching a Mentos commercial or something. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say America's a a very big place. Yeah, right. And some places are friendlier than others. Yeah, uh, I live in D.C. now, and yeah. one of the things that's been very hard for me to get used to, as compared to Maine, where I grew up, mm. is that in Maine you would never walk past someone without acknowledging them yeah. never oh, it's wow, unthinkable it's well because you don't see people that often right so oh, you would never just like hear like you in so you par- see two humans a day it's like hello hello yeah yeah i mean yeah well some people don't see i mean some like uh, for a while i lived uh, almost uh, a mile away from my yeah. from my neighbor so yeah. when you do see your neighbor yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. certainly acknowledge him yeah. right it's part of being human yeah. right but well, in dc yeah Sometimes I like I and I still do it because yeah. I really can't stop. It's ingrained yeah. in me. Yeah. I smile and nod at strangers as I walk past them. Yeah. And sometimes they look appalled. They look at me appalled. Oh, I'm sorry. And so I've even had people ask, like, "What? Excuse me? You know what? Do you know? Do I know you? <laughs> right? I'm like, no, Aww. not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm Dave. <laughs> right? But I don't know if they're, they're in DC and they're busy and they're important. They can't yeah, possibly be bothered. Can't possibly be bothered wow. to connect with the humans who are near them. Right? Yeah. Or what possible benefit could that have? Yeah. Uh, I've actually, I've been uh, spending the last month or so in New York for the summer, and um, to my shock, uh, New Yorkers are probably um, the nicest, most loving, nurturing people I have ever Wherever that stereotype is, that they're not friendly. It's so bizarre. It's one of the reasons why I do like to, it's very different from, so in a lot of ways, New York and D.C. are very similar. Yeah. Uh, but the w- one way it's where it's very different yeah. is you can totally walk around New York smiling yeah. and, and saying hello to pretty much everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're going to be like, hey, how you doing? I know. <laughs> just, and I it really does feel you. a lot nice. It's just a much nicer yeah. way to yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, 
the uh, DC very um, uh, particularly the part uh, the Northwest uh, District of DC is very uh, transitional. Yeah. A lot of people are there just to do like a couple years that they're oh, a fellowship yeah. or right to uh, you know do you know, do an internship somewhere and then they're they're going to move to New York eventually, right? Yeah. And then yeah. when they get to New York, they're like, now I'm home. Now yeah. I can talk to people. Oh, now I can yeah. learn my neighbors, yeah. right? Well, I'm mean, here in DC. I'm focused on right. Yeah. I'm I work at the you know I work for Senator Bobbly Blop, right? He's um, that's not a real. So I realize you're yeah. Canadian. Maybe you don't know all of our senators. <laughs> Blobity blop. Yeah. I, I totally disagree with his politics. Um, honestly, if there's a senator blobity blop out there, he'd be yeah. better than what we have now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, uh, let's see here. Uh, so uh, you were mentioning before, um, I liked the, the story of your father yeah. walking into the club. Can you tell me a little bit more about, yeah, your, yeah. about your parents? Yeah, so my parents are incredible humans. I am so I'm so sure that's grateful. true. Yeah, honestly, though, <laughs> I'm so grateful that they're my parents. Um, they came from rural farmlands in um, Taiwan, uh, which was back then, I don't know if it was even a developing country back then. It probably was, or a third world country. And they were to this day, probably the only people who got a university education from their prospective villages. Uh -huh. My mom literally came from a village in the middle of the highest mountain in Taiwan. The odds of that are just so impossible, right? And then so they actually, not only did they manage to find their way into the capital and got a university degree, they uh, managed to have, against all odds, which, you know, I'm impossible odds, uh, managed to build a hardware tech startup in the 80s and 90s. And then um, they're just also such wholesome human beings, you know? And then so they actually managed to retire in the, in, the, in the 90s. And then so my dad literally retired because he wanted to ensure that when we all moved to Canada to educate me and my younger brother, that we would have a wholesome family, hmm. you know? So yeah, so he wanted to be there. Wow, yes, you are very lucky. Yeah, I'm exceptionally <laughs> yeah, so really grateful. So he's instilling me a lot of really incredible hopes and values hmm. that I hold very dear to me. Um, and what, uh, talk to me more uh, about those values. What do you think uh, is it, I mean, uh, in my experience, people yeah. who um, defy the odds, right, yeah, yeah. do so because they had you know, very strong values yeah and I, sure. and I also don't think that, that necessarily just sort of happens to you yeah. I think someone instill yeah. I think values get instilled yeah absolutely. Right? I mean, in general we're born mm -hmm. like good people yeah I think right? everyone but, is actually but, born good people but uh, but you know values are far more specific than just like right good people right yeah. like we you know we, we get, generosity is different from humility which is different from influence which is yeah. different from yeah. um, the candor yeah. right which is different from um, uh, what's the what is the thing that um, uh, uh, Bush Senior used to say? Wouldn't be prudent. Prudence. Prudence, Prudence is probably my least favorite yeah. of the of the values. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a great there's an organization called Twenty One Sixty Four that yeah. does uh, it helps um, uh, it does consulting on like intergen intergenerational philanthropy and stuff yeah, like that. And they have a really cool exercise yeah. where there's a little deck of cards. Yeah. And each card has a different value on it. Yeah. And they're all good values, wow. right? Like prudence is in there, wow. and like and generosity and all that. Yeah. And the exercise is that you have to put them in order of yeah. importance. Yeah. Oh, and it's really like picking, like 
picking the first one that's most yeah. important to you, you do yeah. that really quickly, and then you see another one, you're like, no, that's more important. Mm -hmm. No, that's more important. Yeah. And yeah. then you're, and then you, you think you've got it, and then you yeah. see that you've put the one that you've put in the end is yeah. actually you think that's like yeah. it becomes very very difficult, wow, right? But you have to like you can't play one. Yeah. The lesson is you can't place uh, equal emphasis on every single yeah. Yeah. on every single one of your values. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's very thoughtful. For years, I yeah. kept that. I actually lost the deck. Just oh. lost it. Uh, but for years, I kept it in my backpack. And, wow. uh, and uh, pretty much every Sunday, I would sort of reorganize oh, based on fun. my priorities of that yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, so for a very long time, I wanted to be more influential. Mm -hmm. So like influence and power were near the top of my thing. Yeah. Right? I want to yeah. be able to right? Yeah. This, and, uh, uh, and now I feel like I've yeah. become a little bit influential. So yeah. uh, being helpful and candid yeah. uh, with that influence is, is more important to me now yeah. than like when I was in my 20s when I was trying yeah. to build I was focused more yeah, on sure. building my network yeah. meeting more people yeah. right and stuff yeah, which sure. is still important yeah. in, uh, influence is still on the in the deck yeah. right but just um, and sometimes you do have to put aside like in order to build your influence mm -hmm. you have to put being candid aside yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for just a, unfortunately for just yeah, a moment just, right don't necessarily like lie or I, be honest right you know, but it's interesting because I, I, I uh, my, my value systems are that you know if I just work on aligning my system so making sure that my my heart my soul my body my mind is all aligned and and every part of me is in agreement at all times, you know, which you know requires doing yoga or meditating or just really taking care of myself so I can come to that sort of clarity. Then all I have to do is follow my heart, let my heart lead. And so I don't judge anyone whatsoever. And then when I just, you know, flow with that, I meet the most incredible humans and the most amazing, extraordinary things happen when hmm. I meet them. And then so Terrific. I never felt like I had to try to do anything I just know what opens my heart and makes me feel truly alive, and everything just falls into place. So, what would you say are the like primary, the, the most three important values in the Wang family? In the Wang family, oh wow! I, I don't know if I can speak for my parents, <laughs> but I, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not really asking. But, you. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, I but they, they hopefully they yeah. hopefully they instilled some values in yeah, you, and you now yeah. and you can now answer this yeah, question. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so I think I can perceive it from as a daughter for my family, mm -hmm. and you know, mind you, they you know my my parents, my father, my mother, and maybe my younger brother would have different views, and and that's totally amazing. But the way I see it is, is that um, being wholesome and being a good person with mm -hmm. integrity is. You've said wholesome a, yeah. a couple times yeah, now. Yeah. Can you define wholesome for me? Yeah, just, you know, like, do the right things, have integrity, character, and just everything you do. My father used to say this to me, doing business is like learning how to be a good human, mm -hmm. right? He made it very clear that there's no short-term gain. Everything is a long-term gain. It's all about building the relationship, building the trust, and having that long-term, lifelong friendship with these people. Who, That's very nice. Yeah, who he's like, you know, I don't really know. He he would always say this to me, and it's you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, he always said, you know, especially when I was first starting out, people did business with me not because I was the best, but because they really trusted me and loved me and wanted me to succeed. You know, mm -hmm. and knew that I would take care of them, and that to me was always you know, and so I so you know so so. Um, so, so you can consider how shocked I, I was when I first entered the corporate world. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And so that not everybody not. necessarily. Yeah. I find that a lot of the very successful people yeah. will agree with your father. Okay. Awesome. But but I, I I would also say so. I, let's yeah. w- w- integrity would be the the value that you're talking about there. Yeah, I think. Uh, and um, you know maybe even a little compassion, right? Understanding that yeah, the, the other yeah. pe- other people need to be serviced, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I would push maybe, back uh, a little bit yeah. and say that um, not not. I mean, I'm sure those are the values of your family. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, and one of the things that's very concerning to me yeah. uh, is, like, I, so I, I think about integrity a lot. Yeah. We do have integrity listed as one of the organizational values of, of unfunded lists. Yeah, sure. um, and uh, one of the things uh, that's frustrating to me about yeah. integrity yeah. Uh, is, uh, particularly American society, but I do yeah. think even global society, uh-huh. we don't reward integrity as often as we should. I think we do. I you think do. that people are just too short-term thinking. I really think that. So, yes, okay. Uh, that's you made. That's a very interesting counterpoint. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clarify, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, uh, I've been, and, and one of the things I, that I, I do want to point out is that like, being able to have integrity is a privilege. Yeah. Like I yeah. said, right? It is like, such a privilege. not everybody it can is. afford it, right? Yeah. Sometimes integrity, yeah. you lose, your, you lose your job, and that's, yeah. and that's what I'm, absolutely. that's what I'm talking about oh, here. Absolutely. I feel like we yeah. don't necessarily like. Yeah. It's not 100 percent of the time yeah. where if you have integrity in that situation yeah. Yeah. that you will get rewarded. Yeah. Unless you put food <laughs> on the table. You don't even have the rights or the privilege really, mm-hmm. to be able to say you have character value integrity. Mm-hmm. That is very. And, and even if they so so they can't mm-hmm. afford that short-term loss. Yeah, absolutely. Even yeah. though it would benefit yeah. them long-term. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've been. Absolutely. I do benefit long-term yeah. from having integrity. Yeah. You're absolutely right yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. But like I, there. Are, you know, I. I don't like. Yeah. I've. I've, I've lost on things as yeah. well. And there's plenty of people mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. who are getting rewarded. Yeah. Not just with an absence of integrity, yeah. but like with anti-integrity. Yeah, yeah. Right? There are people who, who in this city, yeah. not that far away from yeah, us, right, yeah. who package mm-hmm. bad mortgages and bad debt yeah, into yeah. really bad investments, yeah. and that already crashed the economy yeah, once, yeah. and they're yeah. doing it again. Yeah. And the reason why they're doing it again yeah. is because they're getting rewarded by society because they keep yeah. making money doing it. So there's two things I wanted to say about this. One is that um, you know it's such a privilege, and I used to feel exceptionally guilty about this it's who am i to have so much privilege right who am i to have so much when really all all i want to do is help right and so and and truly it was realizing that i have this personal responsibility to myself the integrity to myself to make sure that i am nurture healthy happy so that i can contribute the most as an individual myself that allow me to and i had to do a lot of self-love sort of work Mm -hmm. so that i can you know get rid of the shame, the guilt of having so much, and then so that I can actually start to contribute. And then the second thing I want to say about that is is that, um, you know, you don't look at yourself and say, oh, um, you know, great, my right arm's having cancer. Let's just chop it off, right? It's, we're, we're kind of all in it. Well, together. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you know, so we're kind of all in it together, so it's almost silly to, to think that we're not all in it together. And so I think it's very short-sighted, you know, to think that you mm-hmm. know, we could you know, in the short term, do things that won't fundamentally, you know, and then if, even for us, you should, case, you should love the stranger because you were a stranger once. Yeah, and I yeah. think the guy who's packaging bad debt and, and yeah. selling it to folks doesn't, yeah. he does not understand that he doesn't understand it. Yeah. He, uh, he's yeah. like, well, I'm not a, I'm not a stranger. And I'm yeah. again, and there's a really great line in the movie, the big short, yeah. um, where, uh, this guy, this guy I'm talking about basically, yeah. uh, and he says, someone says you're a horrible person yeah. and he looks back and he yeah. says, maybe, but society rewards what I do at a very yeah. high level. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's right about that. Yeah. And, and that, I don't think society's winning either, right? We're, we're rapidly killing ourselves. Well, it causes the economy to crash. Yeah, yeah. Rewarding him at the level yeah. that it does we're causes the economy to crash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is very bad. <laughs> we need, bad, we do yeah. need to stop this. Yeah. One of the, uh, so I love every organization that makes the unfunded list equally. Yeah. Uh, but one of the ones that's very dear to me because it was the, they were the very first folks who applied yeah. and they made uh, the first unfunded list. And in fact, mm-hmm. I had worked with this organization before I founded Unfunded List. Yeah. Uh, it's, the organization is called Accountability Lab, okay. and they actually do my favorite program that they do is called Integrity Idol. Oh, wow. So you're familiar with American Idol? I think there is yeah. even that Canadian Idol. I think yeah, I've heard of that. Idol, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Canadians are extremely talented people, really? right? Yeah, okay. I mean Celine Dion, like yeah. that. I could like. There's a lot of very good. Uh, Leonard Cohen is Canadian. Like yeah. some of my favorite singers of all time are Canadian. Yeah. Um, and I know my mom's a Canadian studies professor, so that may have something to do with it. I uh, love that you know so much about Canadians, because uh, you know more about Canadians than I do, which is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, great, but it's uh, every day is a school day, right? So you still yeah. have you still have opportunity to learn. Right? Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm learning right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Integrity Idol is yeah. they, they I think it's they started in Nepal, and I think it's yeah. also in Liberia now, and yeah. maybe in some other places. Yeah. It's hard to keep track of with yeah. all the unfunded. Yeah. Uh, but this is a it's a it's a cash prize for yeah. the public official with the most integrity. Yeah. And the, if I remember correctly, yeah. I don't get this wrong, but yeah. it was uh, the the first per, the first prize recipient yeah. was like an extremely low level government mm-hmm. official mm-hmm. because this was Nepal. They yeah. were it's wildly corrupt and they weren't and that's wow. and corruption was being rewarded. So uh, in order to find the official with the most integrity, he's, yeah. he he like he was like deputy assistant of a, of a local school district or yeah, something yeah. and he was like the only guy that had never taken a bribe yeah. uh, and like he was a real stand up guy and everything and he ended up winning money right yeah, wow. uh, there's also uh, there is a um, one of the wealthiest Africans I don't remember their name because uh, mm-hmm. but his daughter came to speak yeah. uh, at a previous nexus yeah. I think wow. the name's Ibrahim okay. uh, and they're Egyptian or something of that yeah. sort and there's a prize uh, for African leaders yeah. Uh, so if you if you get elected to office in Africa yeah. and you leave when you're supposed to, yeah. they give you a million dollars. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to. Instead of it's not exactly. It's, it's something like that, right? But this this is an enormous problem in Africa. Yeah, How are you yeah. going to stop it? Well, they're not leaving when they're supposed to. Yeah. yeah. Right. Here's some money. Yeah. Right. And the cost and the cost of them not leaving when they're supposed to far yeah. exceeds uh, the money. And yeah. uh, so this and right when you've got a society that's well, we're going to re- like. Mugabe gets rewarded yeah. for the behavior, for his behavior, yeah. and you've left on time, yeah. right? Like you were supposed to. Yeah. You do not get rewarded. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Might, might even get imprisoned by the by the new party that came in, right? Yeah. Or something or something yeah. of that sort, right? Yeah. And like we, someone needs to, you know, you need to integrity on it's like it, it does feel good, right? But like, there are ways I think for uh, uh, lots of people across the across yeah. sectors to yeah. find ways to give short term reward. Yeah. Uh, to integrity, I think we should have integrity idol yeah. in America, yeah. right? Sure. Not just because I think I'd be in the running for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. Well, I think I think if we were to do it here in America, yeah. if we were to do it with only yeah. government officials, I think we'd find I that know. we had the same situation that Nepal did, and yeah. it would end up being an extremely low-level yeah. government official. Yeah. It would be because I, I I live in D.C. Mm-hmm. right, and I think a lot of people uh, sort of have a misconception of D.C. because. Yeah. 
the people you hear about, right, the, the political appointees that run yeah. the agencies, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Most of the federal workers in, in D.C. and in other cities, there's yeah. federal workers all over the country. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, uh, career folks. Mm -hmm. They work at the Securities and Exchange Commission because they want to yeah. regulate the, right? Or they, there's a lot of people working at the EPA right yeah. now yeah. who do not like the direction of the EPA, yeah. right? These are good, hardworking people yeah. that aren't, like, they, they went there, yeah. you know, to do yeah. good. And they're not the ones mm -hmm. that get mm -hmm. talked about on the, they don't get invited to the panel shows. Yeah. Um, they're not winning Integrity mm -hmm. Idol. They're not necessarily getting new, I mean, they're getting their, like, they got a good government job, right? Yeah. They're getting a raise every six months. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like not, uh, it's not so bad for them, but right, yeah. they're not getting, like, there's no opportunity to, to, um, to get to, like, Donald Trump level of influence yeah. uh, without, uh, right, doing yeah. Donald Trump level nonsense. Yeah. And, and it's so true, right? It's, you know, this Asian day, I think about how I can have the most amount of personal impact. And really, you don't really get to have really any true impact unless you have a $20 billion company, right? Uh, you can't say... I don't have a $20 billion sell. company. I think oh, I've had impact. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I know. But I mean, you know, the kind of impact that I personally want to have. Mm -hmm. So I can't say, hey, I want to solve the space issue unless I was, you know, Bezos or Musk, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'd point out, like, those people aren't solving those things. Right. But at least they get to say, <laughs> I get a seat at the table to try, right? Whereas what can I do, right? Even if I'm a you know, fairly good scientist in some way and want to you know, contribute in a certain field, you know, it's really, really difficult. Uh, yes, it is difficult. Social yeah. change is is very yeah. is very difficult. So let's yeah. uh, but, uh, so let's um, you uh, I told you that I wanted to interview for a podcast about philanthropy and you gave yeah. me a response that, that uh, other guests have given. I'm not oh, a philanth I'm not a philanthropist. Yeah. Right? Um, well, unless they can contribute. Over and I think and the and, yeah. and the reason I think you like you say that is right because you sort of think of it as contributing over a certain level. Yeah, yeah. Right? Unless and I have real impact, you know, who am I to say I'm a philanthropist, right? I mean, I, what's the uh, philanthropist is a very simple word, right? It's just people who give back to society, right, yeah, or, yeah. or are contributing to society with some sort of uh, capital, right? Yeah. Like, there, it does, if you look it up in the dictionary, it doesn't mm -hmm. say over one million must be given yeah, yeah. in order to be a philanthropist, right? There is literally no definition of philanthropist that has yeah. a number attached to it, yeah, yeah. right? And you've you, you ran food drives at yeah. your local community center. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you're a philanthropist. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. I don't have any doubt about this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you were saying how you interview men and female philanthropists. And yes, we have. And you will be, you will appear in a, uh, a season that we've been calling Season She. Yeah. Uh, so it will be only, the season, the third season of this podcast will be yeah. on, only females. Oh, amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. And we were, we were talking about this beforehand. And, like, uh, and what I find, yeah. uh, having done this uh, for a little, for a few years now, yeah. Uh, I really like interviewing women a lot more than men on these topics. Uh -huh. Men tend to just, they've already, they know what they're doing yeah. and they're sort of lecturing me yeah. uh, about their, about their program and they don't right. necessarily respond to my questions very well. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we've had some good uh, conversations in particular. Um, I found that like, uh, the men that I know personally, right? Yeah. So my, my, my friend, Victor Bogachev, yeah. uh, Rod Roddenberry, mm -hmm. uh, my, my good friend, Ben Swig yeah. and our, our great grandfathers were friends. So that was a very good, ep oh, that was a pretty good episode. Yeah. Um, and, um, some of those have gone well, but that, so the, the, the more established male philanthropists, uh, that I don't know personally, yeah. right? Those have not been, actually, I haven't aired some of them. Yeah. Um, in fact, the, the most significant donor I ever interviewed, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to air the episode because mm -hmm. I don't think any, anybody could learn 
from that episode because yeah, yeah. um, he is you know he's a he came from a different time yeah. when men were men right <laughs> and when uh, uh, younger men and women didn't question older men right right he doesn't when I'm, I'm there asking him questions he, doesn't, he really doesn't understand He's why what's we, uh, yeah. why is this kid asking me stuff yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> right yeah he just has this program that he's running on he's saying mm-hmm. and you know he's done it for a very long time yeah, and people yeah. have been right awarding him at galas yeah, and stuff yeah. for a very long time yeah. so he doesn't have much reason to think that yeah. my questions have any validity yeah. to them at all yeah uh but uh, and one of the and uh contrast that to um I did. I interviewed a woman this for this season, Anita Zucker. Yeah. Uh, who uh, she does not think she knows everything. Yeah. And she's yeah. got she's got a lot more money yeah. than that dude did, and is yeah. a lot more successful. Yeah. Uh, and has been a better philanthropist yeah. than he is. That's incredible. But she still she doesn't like. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, mm-hmm. right? I want to see uh, men and women meet in the middle on this yeah. stuff, right? I don't think. Absolutely. I think the some of the timidity and fear. Yeah. That female philanthropists have yeah. uh, holds them back from having influence. Oh, and I'll say, yeah. like, I've seen, like, you told me you're not a philanthropist. Yeah. You don't know, you can't have impact unless you have a $20 billion company, yeah. right? Like, what can you possibly do? Yeah. Like, I, I need to, if, if anything gets through to you in this yeah. interview, you, oh, uh, you are, uh, yeah. to quote uh, my hero, Mr. Rogers, you are uh, special just for being you. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount that you can do in the world. You yeah. don't need to have a yeah, $20 billion sure. company. Yeah, and I think right? you can say that about, um, I think that's true for every single person in the yes. world. We all have our unique gifts. And, and but, uh, but, I, but I, we're talking, and that's a nice sentiment, but I, yeah. but right now I'm talking about yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like you have, yeah. you, you have a tremendous amount of unique gifts. And yeah. as you've mentioned, yeah. uh, a lot of privilege. Yeah. Uh, you clearly raised by great parents who yeah. instilled great values in you, yeah. integrity and, yeah. Uh, wholesomeness, yeah, I guess, and, is that and, the... And, 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 <laughs> they're so kind and generous, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and don't underestimate the power of having a strong education. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, and you should and continue uh, to learn and, yeah. uh, and, and use that. Uh, and definitely. being in a network like Nexus uh, yeah. amplifies your impact uh, yeah. by an enormous amount, right? You, yeah. it, 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 not only by opening doors to places like NASA, yeah. right? And yeah. you get to meet Dave Moss, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, and lots, yeah. and lots of other folks, yeah, right? Sure. Um, uh, right, and you can, like, uh, one of the things my um, grandmother used to say yeah. uh, when we did philanthropy together mm-hmm. was that there's always more money in the Rolodex yeah. than in the checking account. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was before I became a member of Nexus. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, now, yes, my checking account has much less money <laughs> than, than my Rolodex, <laughs> right? Because uh, there are in the building, you know, there's several billionaires downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we've, you know, I've interviewed a few for the, just the podcast alone has a lot yeah. more money than my checking account. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't underestimate how little money there is yeah. in my checking account at the moment, right? Yeah. I've been running a nonprofit for yeah. a few years now, yeah. and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and there's also that concept of you know, like. But my impact has mm-hmm. uh, right. I haven't made money in the last yeah. few years, uh-huh. and I and as a result, haven't been able to do the normal amount of philanthropy that I do. Yeah. Most yeah. of it goes to supporting my own program, yeah. uh, or like my living expenses because I do need yeah. to eat and, eat and sleep sure. and yeah. breathe yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but my impact has increased mm-hmm. over that. Even though I'm giving oh, less, amazing. I have my because. 
I've leveraged it into this program, yeah, yeah. we are able to help a lot more people, yeah. right? And I think, uh, and uh, now that I've, I think, I think you picked up on it, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a question, a fun question I do like okay. to ask. Let's yeah. say you do have $20 billion, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, sorcerer comes by, waves a wand, you've got yeah. $20 billion, yeah. right? You, what would you, how are you going to have your impact now? Um, yeah, so as a scientist, um, I would love to get a ton of data and just do a lot of data and analysis on, on it. And I think, I bet you anything, there's probably 5 to 20 lovers around the globe that are very, very strong lovers where you know we could deploy the least amount of cash and that will have the most amount of impact. For example, clean water. Right. And think about how you're talking about effective altruism. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think there's already really incredible metrics now that are being conducted. There's a lot. We uh, uh, a while ago, I interviewed yeah. the program officer from mm -hmm. uh, the Open Philanthropy Project yeah. and, and GiveWell. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind of pioneers yeah, on this they stuff. They, yeah. and they, they in fact have a very similar list to ours, yeah. a much yeah. different methodology. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would. And so this is about right. Or where can we have the really measuring yeah. the total amount of impact? Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. Uh, and I find it very interesting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But like some of their conclusions, I find a little bit like bizarre, right? Well, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, as a, as you know, individual, individually, and as organizations, I think it's been really important that we try different things. And then, you know, as a scientist, you try ten things, you expect nine to fail, right? And then so, mm -hmm. you know, Edison tried how many materials before he found the one that created the light bulb, mm -hmm. right? So. I don't think it's a bad thing that we're trying different things and trying to figure out what works, but yes. it's important that we try. What, I, what I'm, so uh, I don't think their current methodology is yeah. like flawless, yeah, but yeah. what I like about it is that uh, they they probably don't think that either. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, they're exactly. and they're continuing to work yeah, on it as yeah, well. In yeah. particular, like they're, so they, in general, they, they hold, and this is a true of most effective altruists, yeah. like saving a life yeah. should be the goal of philanthropy, right? Yeah, yeah. If you can, for a dollar, yeah. right? You should give it to the organization that will save the most lives. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think save a life yeah. is a far more nebulous concept yeah. than a scientist might yeah. want to admit. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Let's say, for instance, so, uh, mm -hmm. there are no, as a result of their methodology, yeah. there are no arts projects yeah. on their list. Yeah, for sure. If we save every single life on the planet, yeah. but there's no art, then what happens? Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds. Like, uh, we've got a whole new problem. Yeah, yeah. Right? And who even knows yeah. what kind of problems you know, could come out of that, right? So, so this is where I have this personal view, which I think you might find very interesting. So when you look at a forest, right, you look at a forest and you're instantly at peace and you think that it's incredibly beautiful, right? Uh, and then when you're looking at forests, there's trees, tall trees, short trees, there's grass, there's fungi, there's insects, there's animals, and... You know, there's all kinds of stuff, right? Pollens, all kinds of stuff. You don't go and say, oh, um, the tree's too tall, it should be a fungi, right? Yet, in our human society, we seem to think that for some reason that we all have to think the same things, that we all have to mm. behave the same way. When I actually think that it's the diversity of how we're all fundamentally different and will contribute differently, that will create the most abundant, flourishing ecosystem. Hmm. You know, so in terms of philanthropy, I think everyone probably has different views, and I think if we can somehow, you know, in 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 our own ways contribute somehow, collectively as a whole, it will probably work really well, and especially when we reach some kind of equilibrium. Hmm. Yeah. Have you ever read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? No. Um, it's a it's a very famous yeah. uh, uh, book by uh, uh, philosophy. It's one of the more famous books on philosophy. Yeah. Written by an American, anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, so one of the one of the things I really like about it is you wouldn't think you know, motorcycle maintenance and Zen. What could they possibly have in common? Yeah, but like yeah. by the end of the book, you're like, well, I don't, I can't think of anything more Zen than motorcycle yeah. maintenance. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, he talks about like and he even talk. He uses your example of the forest, right? Oh, nice. Some people will look at a forest, yeah. right? And they, I forget mm -hmm. one of these view. One of the, one of these is the classical view, and one of these is the romantic view, yeah. right? You're either a romanticist or a classicist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I forget which is which, but one mm -hmm. of them would see individual trees, yeah. low growth, high growth, yeah. start thinking about the individual components of the right. forest, right? right? Mm -hmm. uh, others just see forest, yeah. right? Uh, and um, the similar to a motorcycle, yeah. right? Some people just see a motor, some people look at a motorcycle and mm -hmm. they see, well, there's the carburetor and there's the engine and there's the yeah. fuel gauge and yeah. the and the, the I don't know if there's pistons or whatever yeah. the wheel is attached to the axle yeah. and and this stuff other people just see motorcycle you know meat of conveyance right yeah. and there and, and like it's uh, you can look at something and just sort of and like you look at the forest and you feel peace right yeah but like that's not uh, if you don't see the trees yeah right like that's you're not that's not oneness that's not like that's not full Zen. You're going to be missing things, yeah. right? So we, yeah, sure. uh, and there are, and he also one of my favorite parts of the book is he talks about um, uh, like electrical substations, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you've ever seen, you know, what I'm talking about like the, uh, there'll be it'll be fenced off. Yeah, you've been warned yeah, not to yeah. go in there because you'll get yeah. electrocuted, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, unfortunately, very familiar. With yes. That. Well, we think of those as like outside, like it has nothing to do with us. It's yeah. a like, it we're not. It's not part of our world. Right. Right? We, right, you go around it. Yeah. You don't think about what's in there. Yeah. You don't think about what those components are doing. Yeah. Right, like it's not it's not part of you. Yeah, right. But it, but the you do you use electricity every single day. It yeah. is part. That yeah. is a very it's important part of your yeah. life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we don't we, we go past. We don't think about them. We like sort of we've, we're trying to remove it from the universe that we're right. in. Right? right. And that's why. So like if someone if you get frustrated trying to fix your motorcycle, right? It's probably because you're not thinking about all the individual parts or yeah. anything. I was trying to install a new lock. Yeah. on my door right yeah. and i was trying to do it by i was trying to skip some of the steps to get it in there right and i was just like yeah, right. i hopefully just the like i didn't lie i wasn't lining the screw up right i was just yeah. hoping that the screw would like find the no it never did right i have to <laughs> you have to go back and do that actual yeah, step yeah. in order to yeah. um like uh, and that's uh, so the um i think that's uh, uh anyway feel you should uh your forest comment yeah. remind me of that i want to go back uh earlier so you uh let's you've got this uh the fictional a twenty billion dollar endowed yeah. Lillian Wang Foundation. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're just gonna you're gonna collect a lot of data mm -hmm. and look yeah. for infection points. Um. Yeah. And then what? And then. Yeah. So because I think. But you've got twenty billion, so you, yeah. you should be able to get the data, find the infection points, and still have nineteen point well, eight billion left. To be, to be <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And I feel like um, it's actually surprisingly expensive to to actually deploy something and have it okay. really be effective long term. Uh fine, let's say yeah. it's a uh, it's a trillion dollar endowment. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 10 trillion dollars yeah, just really in case. I to, to make that money myself <laughs> instead of having endowment, you know? So yeah, anyways, and so yeah. But in this hypothetical situation, yeah, yeah. you've already got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, regardless, I think I would love to be able to um, I think I don't I don't think that I want to be the one to you know, dictate any of these things, right? I would love for it to be something where we come together, um, you know, um, a lot of stakeholders from all over the world, from local, um, on the ground entrepreneurs who are doing actual good, actually understand their local needs, to some of the, you know, most powerful world leaders and entrepreneurs and people to come together and open source in a way and contribute together somehow. And then, but regardless, to really find inflection points where, for example, 
fresh water, right? It's so important, right? And then, um, you know, we, we, we deploy so much cash into, um, you know, um, helping uh, malaria aid and, and in different capacities. And, and then eventually they probably figure out that, oh, wow, fresh water was the most effective thing to do, right? And the same with many other things, right? So I think going back to the fundamentals and, and creating those fundamental abundance mm-hmm. seem to be a thing that I think might be a thing. Yeah, so, but I don't know, but I think it's about the data, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's about, you know, how do we collectively as a whole, as a, as a humanity, um, can become abundant mm-hmm. through the pyramid of needs so that we can all have that physical uh, safety and physical abundance and that emotional safety and emotional abundance so that we can forge together, mm-hmm. you know? And really be a really beautiful force in an ecosystem where we're all thriving and working together and, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what that looks like, but I think it would be really amazing if everyone can participate somehow. I think the, I mean, the real trick uh, will be like, uh, you know, once we have, let's say we spend some of your endowment and we, yeah. we get access to all the data and yeah. we learn and we have, and we learn a lot more, right? Yeah. Uh, the real, then I think the real hard part will, yeah. will start in like in, in getting people to like actually collaborate and cooperate because yeah. what's going to happen inevitably is some people are like, well, I didn't cl- have, I didn't collect the data. So yeah. right, what, right, or whatever, or whatever <laughs> they'll yeah. make up. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, right. Or I'm not going to get enough credit for participating in this actually, or like some other, really other really, you're going to need to be yeah. able to ca- tackle that as well. Yeah. So I think, um, on that, I have an interesting perspective from my time spent as a scientist on that. Uh, when you have any metrics to measure success, people usually want to be on a successful team, right? So let's say... People know, like being relevant. Yeah, exactly. And then, so you can actually use that, right? So for example... Relevance is one of the cards in the yeah, deck. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, because I personally don't give a shit about that. So, but however, if everybody else cares about that, then you can actually give that away to people and then create a really powerful... Uh, engine where people are given more relevance and more, um, you know, like legitimacy because they get to participate in something that really mm-hmm. works really quick. And by collaborating, it's much faster, right? And so mm-hmm. I'll give you an example to make it more tangible because it probably sounds very nebulous right now. No, I, well, it, it, it makes sense to me, but yeah, I, yeah, I want to hear so, your example. Yeah. So, so for uh, so when I was a scientist, started my first year PhD, right? Uh, my thesis was one that was such a novel concept. I literally didn't have any government grants, right? And then, um, but I just had a gut feel that this is gonna work, right? And then, so what I did was that I figured out what five experiments I need to do so that I can attempt to publish a top tier journal. And then, so what I did was that um, back then in the scientific community um, or in any other community, you know, everybody wants that legitimacy, everyone wants to be that person, the, the hero, right? I really don't care about that. I'm just thinking about, okay, well, if I want to finish, if I want to do something, I want to be successful at it, right? And then actually have impact. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Let me convince five people uh, who are each individually good at doing these experiments to do with me. And I will offer them, offer them first authorship on my paper if we were to succeed, which is very attractive. And nobody does that, right? This is, you know, 13. I like it. That was one of the strategies Oliver was talking about yeah, this morning. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I gave that away freely, which is very important for them. That's how LBJ got the Civil Rights Act awesome. passed. Oh, amazing. So, yeah, he let so, the Republicans take oh, credit. That's amazing. Yeah. So what I did was just that I, so exactly, so you know how, how it is. So I think we probably finished 
maybe two to five or even ten years worth of work, probably five to five years worth of work in probably two or three months. Because instead of trying to do something myself for three to twelve months or even more, um, we would just try once or twice and it would work. And then we just had to repeat it two more times to have publishable data, mm. right? And so it was really fast. So I wonder if it could be the same thing where if we could prove that it actually works better and everyone can contribute and everyone can have name recognition somehow and I'm not the hero, you know, because that's not the point, right? Impact is the point, right? What if we could do that? And then if suddenly we were the most you know, impactful team in the world, then everybody might start to want to collaborate, right? Uh-huh. Because, you know, fundamentally, that will just be faster, right? So that's how I feel about it. Uh, yes. I think yeah. that was all very smart. Well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I uh, no, it makes a lot of sense. I, and I, I point out there are some historical examples of that tactic, yeah, or, of that tactic sure. working quite well. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I uh, I want to make sure that you get a chance to enjoy the rest of Nexus. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of lovely and good-looking folks downstairs yeah. to talk yeah. to and meet. <laughs> yeah. uh, but before we go, do you have any questions for me or uh, parting thoughts or anything else that you would like to say? Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that if everyone can just, um, you know, really do the work to make sure that they're, you know, aligned and making decisions from a hard space, it's really integral I think I think collectively we'll all be in a much better place and that things will probably work out a lot better for everyone mm. yeah uh, when you look at the forest uh, do yeah. you see the forest or do you see individual trees all of it both yeah you're a classicist and a romanticist yeah I mean it's not one or the other right <laughs> because well Phaedra <laughs> would disagree right? with you uh, no a lot of people do think that people are one or the yeah, other, right? And we, but that we need, yeah. like, that's what sort of yin and yang yeah, is, and I mean, is saying. Like, there are. Right? Yeah, it's a probability. Uh, or Paula Abdul would say opposites attract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, until until we, we learn that we're everything in black and white and we all learn to work together, we always have, you know, polarity and conflict, which is really unnecessary, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. makes the atom work. Right? True. I'm not a physicist. I I, I got a BA in theater. That too, yeah. yeah. I did get a five on the AP physics exam. Yeah, yeah. So I remember remember my my molecular stuff. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, All right, great. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Thank you, Margaret, for your help recording. Thank you. Uh, Enjoy the rest of Nexus. Yeah, thank you.